before we start playing. Isn't that how it works? Okay, well, I'm plugging in right now. And I think we just um, need to announce that this is an uncensored episode. I'm going to get political for a second, and then we can go back to normal topics. <laughs> well, I figured you'd get political. Let's op- can we open our beer? Can I say the yeah. intro? <sighs> yeah, you should say the intro. Okay, fine. <sighs> I haven't got the intro. I'm not ready. Can't even find our. I can't even find our drive. I don't even know what to say. Oh, so I, we should let the listeners know that from now on we are just releasing uncut podcasts. That's it. Right. No editing. No show notes. Uncut. Raw. Garage. And we should also let them know this is the FI Garage. <laughs> this is the FI Garage. I'm gonna say that as soon as I get the intro up, here. and this might be explicit. <laughs> <laughs> Chances are good that this is gonna be explicit. Welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we share the tools to improve your finances and unfold the roadmap to financial independence. We're back. The boys are in the garage. Here we are. We're cracking beers. We're going to have a banter. No, apparently not. No editing. So you cannot overlay boys are back in town? (laughs) (laughs) You can do whatever you like. No, 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 no. Okay. So I had a little little road trip last weekend to visit with some family. Uh, and I was in Penticton, British Columbia, and there's a whole Ooh. bunch of breweries in town there. And so I rented an e-bike, which is a fantastic way to rip around. I think the rat shit was in the bottom of it. <laughs> Can I finish the <laughs> yeah, beer story? Yeah, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> so I, I made it to a couple breweries. And this one, unfortunately, I didn't make it to, but I did bring their beer home. And the economist will tell us who bought us this round, because that's his job, one and only job. But this is Slackwater Brewing. This is Brewing. an unsponsored episode. <laughs> <laughs> like if it. you'd like to sponsor, contact us now. <laughs> uh, so this is Party Wave, Hazy Pale Ale. It's and now this one's got Mosaic and Amarillo hops. And we've been brewing with Amarillo, haven't we? That's one of our favorites. Yeah. Amarillo's uh, great. Yeah. No uh, no description on this, but what's your first uh, impression? This is really nice. It's got a good nose. Super Very good. tasty yeah. beer. Super I didn't good. like whatever came out of the can at the end, though. God, no, that's, spo- that's supposed to be there. Supposed to be there? That was just the poison we're trying to feed mm-hmm. you. Right. Wait. No, it doesn't say rat poison. In there. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> no ricin in there. No, no, no ricin. Huh. It has an awesome. Well, I mean, you and I are suffering with allergies. The right allergies now, so have been so bad. The sun finally came out and plants oh, have bloomed. But yeah. the nose on this beer is fantastic. It's it's right up there with the tropical notes that I like. And yeah, I've I've got kind of like a a weak beer palate now. I don't like the deep, super bitter hoppy beers well, like summer. Yeah. So that's understandable. Cheers. Cheers, boys. Cheers, boys. Finally back. Okay, how do we do this again? Well, so all things are unscripted. We're not editing. Well, we were always unscripted. Well, we were always unscripted. <laughs> but we edited before. We're yeah. not editing anymore. And this will just get released tomorrow. Are you going to release tomorrow? Uh, well, this will get released when the mechanic figures out how to release it. Yes, very quickly. Boom. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, accountant, you came in hot. You came, you ran in the door. Okay. Shouting. Yeah. So, no, this is actually a serious topic, not joking for a second. Okay. Now's the time because I'm going to get loose. I know. We're going to make jokes in a second. But in all seriousness, the joke that is the United States and overturning Roe versus Wade is fucking bullshit. And that country needs to give its fucking head a shake. And it's embarrassing. And that's all I'm going to say about it. But it's fucking embarrassing. You are no longer a world leader. Fuck off. Wow. Okay. Strong words. I can't say I disagree with that at all. But uh, anyway, that's, that's my small rant. I'm angry. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot As of... As I think a lot of people are. Angry sentiments. Rightfully yeah, angry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just... 
it's horseshit. It's disappointing, right? Like, yeah, it's uh, you lose faith in humanity. That that's a right? lose faith and, in humanity moment. And you know, it's not the country. It's, it's not the country. It's, it's a select group of people. Yeah. But like, the people in that country need to mobilize. Yeah. All right. Enough said. Enough said. Financial independence. Financial independence. I think we're all doing it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you and I are the worst. I couldn't be worse at not working. You've been working a lot lately? Yeah, so what did, I guess, have we podcasted since we quit? Well, I figured kind of just start off the show. We haven't, people haven't heard from us in quite a while, right? Right. So, so we, we haven't really talked about what's happened with the markets in the last few months. Right. Uh, inflation, uh, interest rates, our lives. So this is just kind of like catch up on what we've been doing. So accountant, uh, you quit your job, but promptly started working more than you used to. I don't know but, more. No, but describe what happened. Like, yeah, so I I quit my nine to five job and immediately got like four other job offers. Yeah. Um, but now I just like work on contract for myself, um, a bunch of different accounting gigs, and I have chosen to work more than I ever worked. Yeah. But I'm at a way higher hourly rate than I was ever at. Right. And I choose when and where I want to work. So one of the things that I've been thinking about over this period where, you know, we've seen the rates go up, inflation go up, all these things that having the opportunity to go back to work or or pick up the contract or the part-time is a real huge lever to be able to pull. It's a big lever. So right. did you go back to work in part because the markets went down? I th- Yes and no, right? Not because they went down. But it's an opportunity to earn money and put it into the market right. while they're down. Absolutely, because that's the problem. If you yeah. if you're coast fi, right? Like, sure, my annual average would work out, mm-hmm. but then it's like, well, I might not earn money for three months, right? And like, this is the three months I want to put some money into the stock market, right? right? Yeah. So I I don't know. It's we talked about it a lot before in older podcasts. It's, it's all about that flexibility, right? But yeah, I also think one thing that you and I found is we'll get to the economist in a second here is that. It's important that when you choose to, and I think this is this is relevant for you. Got your haircut, yeah, summer cut. <laughs> did you notice? I just noticed. I did notice. Okay, that you didn't notice? No, I just noticed. Wow. Um, oh, totally thrown <laughs> off my game now. <laughs> uh, is that is that you need to? It's important to get to a, I don't want to say elite, but like a high level in your profession, so that being able to do the part time or contract work is is valuable. For both parties, right? Like you're being compensated well yeah. and you're providing a high level of service for whom you're contracting to, right? So I was thinking about, I was, I was texting with Mark Seed, our buddy from my own advisor earlier tonight, and we were just kind of chatting about that is that, you know, one of the problems with fire is, sure, maybe you make it there when you're 32, but maybe you never got to a high level in your chosen profession. So it's less likely that you'll be able to pivot back into work or take the opportunity to take part-time or contract down the road interesting because thought. you didn't get to uh an ex expert level quote unquote yeah right. thing right right yeah so anyway i mean you've been able to take advantage of that which is fantastic yeah it's been great why are you working more i actually enjoy going to work right now mm-hmm. and there's no like i got offered to play around a golf on monday so i didn't go to work and i played around a golf yeah and i'm doing the same thing on tuesday and if i decide i want to go home Nobody can tell me I can't go home. I just go home. So you're basically coast fi now. Yeah, I guess that's what you'd call it. Because we never hit financial independence, technically. 
Technically, no. No. So, but. But I never had an intention of not earning money. Right. I had an intention of not having other people control my time. Yeah. And I've noticed that there's a big psychological point to that too, right? Is I worked, just worked the last three days and they were pretty intense days. But now I know next week is going to be flexible or I may not have to go to work or whatever. So even though it sucks, I was sitting in the traffic and the commute and all the things that make work terrible. Mm-hmm. The knowledge that it's not going to be the same on Monday is is freeing. Right. Yeah. You can push through the extra the extra additional work that you have to do to get a project done and then you're like, oh, it's not gonna be like this next week. I think that kind of gets in people's heads too when you do we've all done the, you know, eight to four, eight to five, nine to five, whatever it is, five days a week. There's hardly enough time to do anything else in your life, especially if you've got, you know, kids and activities and all the rest of it. But if you don't if you know that you're like next week is like, oh, I'm only working one day or two days next week, it yeah. frees you up mentally to be like, okay, it's all right, I can push through. I think the other one that I've found a lot that's been advantageous the last little while too is that everyone's super appreciative that I'm coming to help. Yeah. Because I'm no longer relying on other people. Other people need me. Yeah. And they'll take whatever they can get. Yeah. So if I come in and I help 10 hours a week, they're super happy because otherwise those are 10 hours that they had to work. I think we're going to start a new company. It's going to be EOD. Expert on demand. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good one. EOD consulting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, Economist, tell us about what's going on with you. Uh, I asked for a raise mm-hmm. last, well, yeah, the beginning of June, I guess. Yeah. And uh, the owner of the company laid a big guilt trip on me. <laughs> that always works with you, so that yeah. must have been effective. Yeah, so I told him to pound sand. <laughs> and uh, uh, last day of work, Thursday coming up. Good for you. End of the month, yeah. So you're going to be successfully quitting, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except <laughs> um, I've been running my own business in parallel, so uh, just going to step over to that full-time. So we'll all be full contractors. Ti- full-time. I still don't want to Quote, work. unquote, full-time. I don't want to work more than four hours a day. No. Yeah. No, that's uh, the sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's been, you know... Like you said, go, the market's dropping wasn't a reason to work more, but it kind of was because, like I said, you want the money. To p- pump in. Yeah, yeah. But you're like, okay, well, we've seen massive inflation shocks, which, let's be fair, we kind of all knew was going to happen. We all kind of yeah. wanted yeah, to deny that it was, was going to happen. But yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like, well, if you want to buy gas for your boat or you want to travel, or you're like, why not go earn some extra money? Yeah. I well, I also, the other thing I've found now that I have complete control of my time is like, couldn't tell you the last time I opened a non-work related spreadsheet. Yeah. I don't even know where my investments are at and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, they're down 30%. Yeah, there oh, we go. This reminds me of a question I want to ask you guys. So it, it's kind of hard to compare because we don't like cross check each other's portfolios, but yeah. you went big into ESG yeah. about a year ago, a year and a half. Maybe more. I, I don't track between that and a regular yeah. index. But like, for example, we know that, you know, ONG and commodities did really well. Oh, yeah. I went big, ONG. Right. And your ESG probably is less of the oil and gas and things like right. that. Yeah. Did you notice a spread in the, well, I shouldn't say performance, the, you know, going down or did it yeah. look like anything? Or I don't think so. I'm down like 15%. Overall, so yeah. that doesn't seem out of line with the markets. No, 
No, I was just um, curious from like an ESG point of view because yeah, ONG was really good. Well, I put I put my entire 2022 TFSA contribution room into ONG. Yeah, so I put six grand into ONG, mm-hmm. and it's currently worth thirteen and a half. Oh, well done. So ONG for the listeners is oil and gas related. Yeah. Uh, public companies. I mean, Tim Nash is slapping me in the face right now for doing that, but <laughs> he's high-fiving the account or the economist mm-hmm. and, and he's kicking the accountant kicking in the ass. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the problem is is that they were just trading at such ridiculous valuations. Mm-hmm. Like you were talking they were trading at 1 to 2 times free cash flow for the upcoming year and that right. was at $80 a barrel oil, not $120 a barrel. Yeah. Like the numbers I just couldn't I would have kicked myself if I had not at least done that small percentage of my portfolio into it. Yeah. At some point, as we have proven over the last, whatever we're at, six months of this year, fundamentals matter. All of those companies that don't actually make money tanked. And all of those companies where you're like, oh, no, wait, this did make money are still fine. Mm -hmm. So how about ARC? How are they doing? (laughs) Well, how many times in the past had I told you Kathy Wood's an idiot? And guess what? It turns out Kathy Wood's an idiot. <laughs> they're down more than the fifteen percent. My portfolio. What are they like sixty right now? Percent oh, or something? Okay. They're down. And then how about Bitcoin? Is that does that a, still exist? Has that been? Hey, a good, whoa, whoa, that's an inflation hedge. Yes. Oh, right. Has it's it been a good inflation hedge? Yeah. 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 If, if you mean it is deflationary <laughs> in inflationary times. Okay, so things that on paper should be uncorrelated all seem to be correlated now what's going on like how come everything kind of really moves in sync now rather than different asset classes having art being uncorrelated i don't know that what you're saying is true on that okay the fundamentals matter yeah yeah everybody spent uh what was it 14-year time period from 2008 when the U.S. crashed to today thinking that fundamentals don't matter because (laughs) we had artificially low interest rates. Yep. You want to blame all of the things that are going... The chickens eventually had to come home to roost. They came home to roost. Today's the day. There's a chicken on the economist's shirt. It came home to roost today. (laughs) That's a surfing chicken. That's a cock. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) Still a chicken, isn't it? Uh, yeah, you're right. You're it's right. It is. Yeah. it is. Okay, enough of the biology class there, Mr. <laughs> yeah. Bear. Oh, all right. Well, anywhere. Uh, yeah, it's something had to give. Yeah, okay. Everybody for the past while has been complaining about house prices. House prices are a function of what you can afford of your monthly mortgage payment. So if you have artificially low interest rates, you can afford a bigger mortgage. So people are going to pay more for houses because they can pay more for the monthly payments. We're starting to see that trend reverse. Interest rates have finally started to go up. What has immediately happened? House prices went down. Wow. It's almost like it would take a rocket surgeon to figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think there's still going to be, it's, it's a delayed reaction, right? So we're going to see. I don't think we've felt the pain that's actually coming yet. Yeah. Yeah. When you're talking about the housing market. Housing market. I think everything. Yeah. It was too good for too long. Absolutely. But I mean, there's still, I still own stocks with, or funds or whatever with like price to earning of under seven. It's a good point. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, 
none of us know how long these things are going to last. Yeah. So what about all the people that over leveraged? Well, isn't that the famous Warren Buffett quote? When the tide goes out, you get to see who's been swimming naked. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Speaking of leverage, cause we're all in favor of it. Yep. And yep. we all have leveraged in our own ways. Yep. I've been considering whether I need to change strategies a little bit, which is... You mean lever up? <laughs> <laughs> I got offered a deal today. I don't think I'll take it. Um, yeah, I mean, you could. But I think what occurred to me uh, in the last sort of, I guess, six months or so is that, you know, we talked on, I think, the last podcast that we did is that when you base a lot of your budget on passive income and then that passive income changes, then you still have obligations. You have a shortfall. Right? You have a I shortfall. I believe it's what... what a shortfall, it's yes. Yeah. Is, that, is that true, accountant? I, I would say that's accurate. Yeah. So I think what I learned was is like being prepared. I mean, I always was keeping it in consideration, be, being prepared to service all of your leverage and your obligations with, you know, or knowing how you're going to do that. Well, so th- and... This is the trick with leverage. Yeah. Is it's a two-pronged beast because in one sense, if you have massive inflation, and let's say you have a million dollars in debt, if you get 20% a year inflation, inflation is killing your debt. Yeah. You don't even have to deal with it. Right. The problem is that central banks fight inflation by raising interest rates, yeah. which makes servicing your debt more expensive. Unless you're locked in. Unless you're locked in. But Eventually, as long as you can service your debt, inflation is actually a good thing for your debt because dollar for dollar, it's getting eaten away by inflation. Yeah. So that is where using it responsibly and knowing what your debt levels are and how you're going to actually deal with that leverage is very important. Yes. But then you also face the point of having to service the debt, which is the, the, the more immediate issue. Especially yeah. if you're not working because you just quit. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Right? right. So that's as much of a reason to pick up extra work as anything else, right? It's like looking at, you know, I mean, HELOC rates have gone up. I mean, all borrowing rates have gone up, right? So, yeah, you're still making some arbitrage there. But at what point do you decide to pay down some of that investment loan rather than invest? Well, it's going to be a personal decision, isn't it? Well, it certainly is. Personal finance <laughs> is personal. And this show is for entertainment purposes only. Even un- unedited, it's for entertainment purposes only? Oh, that's a or especially. Especially, <laughs> yeah. Well, did you guys see, too, that the BC NDP is talking about no longer tying rent increases to inflation? So, when times were good... Did somebody for, phone John Horgan and complain? Apparently. Because <laughs> apparently that's all it takes that's for him to it, change his mind, That's all right? it takes for him to change his mind. Yeah. yeah. So, apparently, when times were going good for landlords and rents were increasing, no, 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 you can't adjust it by the set amount. We're taking it away. It can only go up by inflation. But now that inflation's actually significantly happening, no, 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 you can't rise rate increase rent by inflation <laughs> we'll set out some other arbitrary number so essentially no 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 don't be a landlord in bc we don't like you right? yeah that's awesome whatever they want to do whatever works for me best is going to be the rule right and not for you yeah so do you continue powering through if you're on a smith maneuver type program i think these are the time these are the trying times are you, are you suggesting 
not powering through and timing the market? No, not at all. Oh, okay. I'm just saying psychologically, these are the times that it becomes the hardest thing to do. And well, I think I think a lot of people are being tested psychologically through the last few months and maybe the next year or whatever, right? When when the market's down, don't generally you have higher expected returns in the future and therefore should be doing yeah. even more of it? Oh, totally. Yeah. But how many people have you heard or seen or, you know, like, oh, I don't know, maybe it's time to get out. Just, you know. I mean, the markets are still better than the COVID dip, right? Yeah. 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 Significantly. I know, right? Yeah. 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 It's not a big deal. Well, <laughs> so, I, I mean, it's a quote, but I can't quote it specifically, but so much of your the the most important thing is the price you buy at, right? Whatever asset is, the price that you buy it at is more important than anything else. Because, I mean, I bought a rental at, like, the top of the market. That's going to be terrible for, like, the next 15 years. Right. So be it. Mm-hmm. You know, but everybody's always, you know, hot and horny to get into real estate, stocks, all the rest of it, in, like, the last three years when it was way too throffy. And here we are in retrospect, of course, saying that we know that now, but it's an interesting thing to look back and go, remember this for next time type thing, right? Well, so, well, I'm just a bit confused. You say that the most important number is the number you bought it at? Yeah. I don't know about that. Well, sure it is. Because if you bought in the last two years, uh-huh. you're back below your original purchase price. Maybe the luckiest number is the number you bought it at or <laughs> the unluckiest, but I mean... No, I, well, okay. The account was bringing up the fundamental of a asset or a company. Sure. Right. Is the value it's price earnings or whatever you want to value it at, however you've done your valuation. So buying that asset at a, you need an amount below value. Yeah. Well, below or reasonable. Even reasonable is fair. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. I mean, how many people piled into bank stocks? Because bank stocks are the best and best ever. And Mm -hmm. they've all dropped 15 to 20%. Right. You know, I'm not saying they're not going to be good in for the next 20 years. Yeah. I'm just saying if you piled in it, and this is the hard part too with, okay, so pivot the discussion a little bit about uh, lump sum versus dollar cost averaging. Well, you're talking about like investor psychology. Well, uh, it always and comes now is the that. now is the biggest time of that, but that's not that he'll ever hear this, but I'd love to talk to like Ben from Rational Reminder because he released one in May about how dividends don't matter. Right. It's 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 completely irrelevant. The whole thing's stupid. It's all about expected return. Mathematically. Mathematically. Yeah. And I'm like, that's great, Ben. You're a savant for mathematics. But what you're not factoring in here is what happens to those people that are on the total return path when everything tanks and they're not getting payments. Right. The dividend can be the hold on straw that a lot of people grasp to right now right. being like, you know what? Markets are down. But I'm still collecting 15 grand in dividends this year. Yeah. And that might be what makes them not sell. Yeah. Which is a huge, like, major factor in all of this is not selling when things go badly. Oh, totally. And I mean, I could be stressed out about the the status of my margin in my interactive broker's account. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But I'm not because apart from all the foolish things that got done in there, there's still core holdings that pay out enough on average monthly to service that debt. To service so it's debt. it's self-funded. It's yeah. okay. It doesn't keep me up at night. Right. Right? But I totally agree with you. Like the dividend payment is something that you you go, "Oh, well, that's nice to have." Even though it just gets reinvested anyway. 
Well, and yeah. I get I get it from the strictly mathematical perspective of like, yes, still of dividends are irrelevant. Like if we're talking about strictly mathematically, except from a well, okay. But if you're investing yeah. in a dividend paying company or yeah. a not dividend paying company, it's only about total return from a mathematical standpoint. Sure. Yeah. But that doesn't factor in how everyone actually lives their lives. Mm-hmm. Or how they think about or their portfolio. Or how they portfolio. think about it or how they feel yeah. about their portfolio. Yeah. And sure, maybe if you hand over your money to an investment advisor and you don't let yourself influence them and they're in completely in control, they're going to be able to have a non-emotional view of it. But if you're managing probably your not. But probably not, too. Because they're an emotional person. Everyone's emotional. Right? I'm feeling emotional. My beer's getting low. <laughs> and I still have allergies. <laughs> and I have allergies. Well, uh, oh, what is our next beer? You, did you bring Love Shack? Surprise me. Love Shack. No, it's called Surprise Me. Oh. That's oh. our next beer. I am surprised. It's <laughs> yeah. called Surprise Me. Okay, I'm excited. Too many too many people asked him to just surprise them. So he made a beer <laughs> called Surprise Me. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, okay, so another thing I was thinking about was I've been vocal before about private lending, but now it's dog shit. And why is that? Well- Because everybody- The, the opportunities have- Dry, right? Or, or is it that uh, the people are not uh, are looking for unreasonable debt? Okay, so it's an interesting one because if you dig into it and start doing due diligence, which you of course should, is that the people that were still looking to borrow in the in the private space are usually with bad credit or highly leveraged or things like that. So, looking at it, you go, well, you're trying to. Uh, value what their house is, which is the collateral. And you know that that house value is potentially as high as it's going to be with everything that's happened in the last three months with rates and inflation. So you're like, well, then you don't have a margin of safety built into that property because you can't, and I never did expect continuous appreciation, right? but now you've, you've shrunken your margin of safety. And then you're also dealing with people that usually have, um, a lot of times it's a, a debt consolidation. Right. So, so, so you're kind of going, well, if their debt, if, if they have other issues along the way or employment or whatever, you know, so it's, it, it became in my mind too risky. Yeah. The majority of the offers that were out there. So the worst part was, is because you had to use a trust company, there's Olympia or Canadian Western. Yeah. My money was sitting in there idle. Yeah. Which fortuitously was, it was still in there when everything went down. Mm-hmm. But literally, like I was talking with the accountant about it, it, it was like nine months. Yeah. So maybe no not deal less, seven, seven or eight months just sitting cash, yeah. which we know that's no good. Yeah. But, yeah. but you make outsized returns when you're engaged in a deal. Mm-hmm. And I just felt that I wasn't going to get another deal that I was going to be really happy with. Because I, when a raising rate environment, I don't think those debt-based deals or assets are as safe, yeah, right, as they were in the past. So you'd be buying another house, <laughs> which I don't want, right? You right? already so, got two, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what you're saying is, you made investment decisions based on actual fundamentals, yes. and assessing things rather than just blindly doing things, no matter what the market conditions are. Yeah. 
I, well, I think so. And and I what have a to weirdo, eh? What a weirdo! <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to give credit where credit's due because, you know, we've had Kevin on the show, and he was a mentor to me for private lending. So him and I talk all the time about these things. And accountant, you're awesome as well. You and I banter about it, and an economist too. It's it's nice to have a sounding board to bounce these ideas off. And I didn't want that money doing nothing. And you can't invest it in the markets through a trust company. It's super expensive. Yeah. It's difficult to do. So I made the big decision to move it to Questrade. Right. And so I told you about this. I didn't tell the economist, but the withdrawal fees mm-hmm. are ridiculous. What was it? Uh, what did I tell you? It was three seventy five, three hundred seventy five dollars to get the money into Questrade. And Questrade only gives you one fifty. Yeah. Well, I got a check actually. I sent them all the things. I got to yeah. see if it came through. But yeah, so that's one of the things. And and it was fine being in that trust company when you're doing deals because, mm-hmm. like I said, the out size returns pay for all those costs so whatever anyway i moved that money but then then i had a lump sum and i know what you're supposed to do (laughs) with the lump sum in the market right i I couldn't (laughs) (laughs) i couldn't do it lucky you (laughs) i know right well okay so i also went down is it all in there now a little left. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'm a DCI or DCA guy, dollar cost average guy, but so. or I'm timing the market. Both. I don't know. I'm guilty. Guilty. <laughs> this is my coming out speech. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I went down a couple rabbit holes. We, I looked into preferred shares. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I looked again, again into mortgage insurance corporations. Right. Because I'd kind of earmark mix, mix. Yes, not mics. Mix. We're mix. on mics. They are mixed. <laughs> Talking about mix. <laughs> yes. Um, so, cause I, I had earmarked that money to be in a real estate type of investment right. as part of my portfolio. So moving it over to Questrade and into DIR.un. I, I can't edit One this out. Favorite I'm trying to burp really quietly cause I can't edit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't. Uh, so I wanted to kind of keep it real estate focused, but I struggled with the mix because there's private ones out there. But it's difficult to do the due diligence on them. Right. And most of them want you to lock in yep. for two to five years. And you didn't want to add more to your and it, and it's a debt private one? It's a debt-based investment. Right. It's a mortgage investment corporation. So the whole reason why I didn't want to be in private lending yeah. also holds <laughs> true for why I don't want to be in mix, right? I yeah. mean, there's diversification in those, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, I was like, ah. And then there's a few public ones, but then what was the one that I told you about? A- Atrium? Was it Atrium? Atrium, yeah. That had like terrible debt numbers. You, I, I showed like, you the balance sheet. Bad. Yeah. And he's like, ooh, that uh, balance sheet doesn't <laughs> look like good. don't like that balance sheet. <laughs> <laughs> so I, kinda, I got scared off that. And then I did a little bit of digging in preferred shares. Have you guys looked at preferred shares? I haven't really. I have done a little bit, but not a lot. So what did you find? I mean, you can get some solid... Anywhere from 5 to 7% Ex- payouts. I need to drink some beer. I've been talking. Explain briefly the structure of a preferred, if if you will. A preferred share? Yeah, just well, a high level. I mean, we're not going in depth here. Yeah. So, Investopedia definition, please. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to quote that. <laughs> no, but you know what we talked about. Essentially, most of them are a debt vehicle, but it never actually has to be repaid or returned. So I'm not going to get into what it actually is, legally speaking, mm-hmm. but... It'll have a payment with it and preferred shares get paid first. So if you're going to pay dividends, you have to pay out the required dividend to the preferred share before you're allowed to pay any common dividends. 
It's essentially a form of debt, but it never has to be repaid. Standard terms generally these days are they issue preferred shares at 25 bucks, and they'll set the debt rate off of the face value, and the value of the preferred share will go up or down based on what prevailing interest rates are. Mm-hmm. That right. kind of that gives the layman terms, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. It's another class of share of the corporation, but you don't have voting rights. Right. Now, okay, so there are a couple interesting things that you didn't bring up. Is that even though it's like you like you mentioned it's a I don't want to call it a debt product, but it's it's a, a it's debt not issuance. Technically a debt issuance. Yeah. Like it's not debt on the books of the But it okay. acts like debt. But it acts like debt. Yeah. Well, okay, so but the important part to that though is is if you have a fixed income type investment in a non-registered, you're taxed at your full margin, whereas preferred shares pay out as dividends. Correct. Even though they're more of a fixed income product. Right. Right. So this is kind of why I start looking at this and going, well, what am I, what, what's, okay, the other part was is preferred shares should do better in a rate, rising rate environment. Assuming that they're variable rate preferred shares, if they're fixed, they'll get tanked. Yes. So I, I, without going into the minutiae of this, yes, there's how it's issued, whether it's a fixed on issuance or a variable. Right. Or they have like five-year redeemable where they adjust the rate. But no, I meant the actual face value of it because of the face value, like you said, most of them are issued at $25. If the face value is down around 19 and it's a rising rate environment, they have a potential to get back to 25 or more. That's incorrect. Oh, tell me why. Because say you have a preferred share paying 5% and the current interest rate is 2% Mm -hmm. and it's trading at $25 and the interest rate goes up, you've reduced the payout in comparison to the spread so your price is actually have, going to have to go down in the same way bonds would to make up for that interest rate spread. Right, because I can go to my bank and get a GIC that pays 5.5%. Exactly, rather right. than having to buy the, the share. Yes, thank you. So the, the only reason that the preferred shares would go up in a raising rate environment is if they are re- rate reset preferred shares where people know, hey, this is paying prime plus 4%. Well, prime just went up. That means the percentage I'm getting for that preferred share goes up, meaning the value of that share goes up. Right. If it is a fixed rate preferred and rates go up, its value will go down. Yes. Okay. No, that totally makes sense. Yeah. For fixed rates, most of them get re-upped. Most of them are floating rate or five-year term or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, enough of the details. I wasn't sure whether I wanted it or not. Because basically you're you're getting, you know, the one I did buy was what is five and a half. Five Sounds point. like you did want some. I did. I wanted. <laughs> hey, you gotta have a little bit of everything. Right, I have yeah. one of everything. One of everything. Yeah. It was five point five point seven percent. I think I sent. I sent Fixed. you, didn't I? Uh, floating, floating. So I'm like, well, that's fine monthly cash flow, right? And. I don't know, but I think it's really a down the road type thing when you just want to convert. It's like making yourself an annuity in a sense. Perpetuity. Perpetuity? Yeah. Annuity, yeah, different. I don't know. I couldn't buy into it with enough money to make a difference because I was like, well, then you're giving up all the upside right. of anything. But you're basically getting a low risk Decent rate return. of return. But so in terms of the comment you made earlier about value. I think the point has been proven to just invest because if you had invested 
at the start of 2020, even with the correction we've seen this year, you're still way up. And what are we two years out of that? Right. Mm -hmm. And this is like, everyone's talking about that it's Armageddon and that the stock market's right. destroyed and the yeah. economy sucks. And you're and like, oh, well, I wish I had more money to oh, invest. Oh, I wish I had more money to invest. And like, it's still higher than it was. Yeah. Yeah. So no preferreds? Did you buy any? I don't have any preferreds. Well, actually, that's not true. I do have some preferreds. Okay. I have like 200 shares. Is it is it a replacement for fixed income in your portfolio? Like, could it be? You know, For bonds. You're I right. think for it, bonds. I, yeah. I personally feel that it could be, despite the fact that it is technically slightly riskier based on the, if the company goes bankrupt, who gets paid first, your bondholders are going to get paid long before your preferred shareholders. But a lot of these, like if you're buying into preferred shares at the Bank of Montreal, the chance that you're not getting paid out on those preferred shares is very, very low. You don't think the Bank of Montreal is going under? I don't think the Bank of Montreal is going under. But their stock went down. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, man, I wish some of those covered calls had hit when bank BNS was in the high nineties, but I, <sighs> I'm also a believer that like, if you have variable rate debt that you know how to service and let's say your rate goes to six or 7%, well, perfect. That's when I'm going to start paying it down. That's the best deal ever. I'm getting a 7% return. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And some people will argue that the time to pay it down is when the interest rates really low, which I also understand and make sense, but I don't care about paying off 2% debt. Mm -hmm. Whereas I will go make payments to pay off five or 6% debt. Yeah. So debt, you know, the interest rate rises while well, I'm switching and I'm going to start paying off a little bit more of that debt. Mm -hmm. And what's the difference between holding a bond or paying off 5% debt? You're yeah. Paying off a fixed uh, obligation. I believe it's the taxes you pay on the bond return. Yes, true. The Ab absolutely. Yeah. So you're yeah. actually better off paying off the debt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, okay. So another interesting thing I found with this whole, you know, circling back to a bit to the leverage thing is as you change your income, as if you have a partner, if you're married or you're a couple and you've leveraged, like, for example, we've, we share, we're on the HELOC together, everything's equal, blah, blah. The arbitrage isn't as good as you start lowering your taxable income. So it changes how you look at the structure of your investments and your leverage and, and doing the math on it. You're once again, you're letting the tax tail wake the dog. Yeah, fair. I know you're going to say that. <laughs> Cause he says, don't do that. He's a thief. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I, there's two dogs that, well, they haven't farted. They're both asleep. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Uh, okay. Hey, you know what I'm ready for? Love shock. Love Shack is a little old place where we can get to. Nobody signed on to listen to that. Um, when you enter Love Shack, yeah. do you sing? <laughs> I should. You I should. don't, but you should. You should. How is that? Well, he'd have to pay huge like royalties every time the door opened. The yeah, that's what I would. Actually, are we yeah. viable for royalties just on that? It was so bad. I don't <laughs> think. I don't think the. If we can argue was, it was yeah. a different song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good thing you didn't have your electric napkin out. <laughs> no, but beer just came out my nose. That's why it's a hey. good thing you didn't have your electric napkin out. That's how you cure allergies. Yeah, this time of year. I was gonna say that cleared up the sinuses. Okay, it's your beer. Go get it. Why do I have to go get it? Do we get new glasses? I got this rat shit in mind. So. <laughs> go go rinse it out with my. That seems like a you problem. Filtered water. Do, do, you have do, filtered do, water? Do, do, do. I told you I filtered the house. 
Living at the Ritz. <laughs> Living at the Ritz. We can't make good quality beer without good quality water. Mind you, we're a little touch and go with our beer making anyway. But we have a fantastic wit beer right now. The accountant's very proud of it. He hasn't even tasted it yet. Oh, they're little wee bottles. Did you uh, filter the water after you started brewing beer? Yeah. No, I put in a, a system because we have um, chloramine in the water here. You're Terrible. I had to get it out of the water. So now it's filtered. Sweet. It's about, about time. <sighs> I can't believe. Okay. So are you, are you going to uh, intro the beer? I, I don't know what I'm doing. Are you just going to... Uh, is this the beer is closed on the table? We're, we're not able to drink the closed. If anybody beer. else would like to podcast with me other than these two jack wagons, <laughs> I'm taking applications uh, all the time. Did you just bring one bottle for three of us? Correct. Oh, okay. That's um, all I bought of the surprise me. I bought four other ones too. I will go get another beer. <laughs> no, we're just we're trying part of this, and then we're gonna drink some of the half we brew. Jesus, grow up. Yeah. Tell me about tell me about what this is. Uh, it is for, with the Tio Libre yeast that we made that ISA with, and it is a hazy pale ale. Oh, we're drinking hazies today. Yeah, it's hazy but day. the one that you brewed is not a hazy. The one that I brewed it was not a hazy. Well, well it's, it's hazy, a, but it's a wit beer, so it's, <laughs> it's a wit beer, yeah. We're not sure if it's a half or a wit. We don't remember what yeast we used. You only no, bought we... one, surprise me? Yeah, well, I brought bought some other flavors too. Did you try? I'm not going to lie to you guys. There were more surprise me's, and my pregnant wife said if I didn't save one until after she gave birth, she would castrate me. So, did guess you? What? Uh, well, that's a public announcement of that. Congratulations. Did you? Oh did, yeah, I guess we haven't said that on the show. Yeah, my wife is pregnant. Oh, we're gonna have to do a like uh, post baby fi episode. I guess. Yeah. Is this why you've gone back to work to pay more for college? Ever? To pay for college. <laughs> Who's paying I mean, for college? Really. <laughs> the kid. Yeah. <laughs> if he wants to go or she this has got a lot of no it's a he okay yeah <sighs> bubble gum yeah a lot of bubble gum yeah oh wow you don't get bubble gum oh i get all the bubble gum. all the bubble gum right when I... we moved from whistler to vancouver island in 2005 my family and i lived in a tent for six weeks while i built a 12 by 16 shack the love shack. <laughs> it was there that I experienced the abundance of love that expands in such small spaces and developed my craft for brewing beer. All of my beer is small batch brewed with the key ingredient being love. Love. Failed it. Yeah. Enjoy. It is a tasty one. You know, I think we might be pronouncing that yeast wrong. I think it's thiol. What yeast? Thiol? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no whatever. ingredient list. Yeah, how do you know what yeast is in there? Well, because we I was brewed talking to Dave. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Well, so interesting one is, do I still have it in the fridge? I think I have a beer in the fridge that has the same yeast that came from Manhattan. How exciting Ooh. is that? That is exciting. Yeah. Is, yeah does I'm it excited. taste like bubble gum too? Uh, well, we don't want to. We're gonna leave some uh, suspense here for oh, the listeners. Oh yeah. Should we just switch to overtime because we're 45 minutes into this banana show? Yeah, okay. So this will get released as is. How is overtime different than... uh, Regular banana show? Yeah. It's not, but I just need to cut this somewhere. So everybody, part one is over. Part two (laughs) will get released next week. (laughs) Oh, they got to wait a week? Dun, dun, (laughs) dun. Or tomorrow. Or tomorrow. (laughs) I don't care. It's a Friday night doubleheader. It's a Friday night doubleheader. Doubleheader. 
Okay, well, we're going to have the same beer when you start listening to this episode. <laughs> it's a love Podcasting shack surprise just me. unedited is way better. Well, it's almost like we should just be live broadcasting. We should just live Can broadcast. Can we do that? Yeah. Do we have the te- technology? Why? Well, everybody like broadcasts we, on Facebook or whatever? We could have a call-in show. <laughs> oh, that, that's how to look really stupid. <laughs> Sorry? That's how to look really <laughs> stupid when intelligent people call you and ask intelligent <laughs> questions, and you're like, inflation. It's not like we ever did any research for the show anyhow. <laughs> well, that's also true. <laughs> now we just have no excuse for that. Yeah, okay. Well, cheers. Uh, good episode, and we will be right back if you're joining us for Part over two. time. So is we it overtime now? We need a horn. Yeah, we need. <laughs> Stop talking. Stop talking. Stop talking.